This episode of Same Crap Different Day is sponsored by AIDS Alabama. AIDS Alabama is now doing free in-home HIV testing. That's At right. At your house. Right. If you can't come to us, we'll come to you. Uh, a lot of people don't like coming into places to get tested. We will come to your house and test you there and give you your results. In your car. Or the park. Wherever you want to meet us, we'll meet you there. At the beauty shop. <laughs> If you want to get tested, you can give us a call at 205-918-8184. That's 205-918-8184. That's the office number. Don't call myself. Okay, so... um so welcome to uh, another episode of uh, Same Crap, Different Day. Uh, I'm your host, Tony, and in, and in the studio today we have a special guest, uh, Mr. Reverend Dr. Dave Barnhart. <laughs> of where? Pastor of St. Junia United Methodist Church, also a member of Faith in Action Alabama. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit more about Dave and the stuff that he does a little bit later. I also got my other partners in crime with me. Rashad Hayes. <laughs> and Derek, as always, praise the Lord. <laughs> you churchier than the preacher that's terrible but look so today um we're gonna talk about um i don't know if any of y'all have hulu but i love hulu i like netflix and uh we've been um watching a uh new series called the handmaid's tale actually this is the second year for it uh second season and it's it's rather fascinating and it's also scary as shit <laughs> so we all been watching it. Rashad actually watched the whole. I am. Tony showed me about it. I, I can't. I couldn't put it down. I think I watched the whole. I watched the whole season one in about a day. <laughs> then I watched season two in about two days. Now I'm ready for July fourth. That's another episode coming on. So. I hope they bring it down on the fourth. Yeah. I already looked it up. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So the Handmaid's Tale is is uh is really interesting. Uh, I'm going to let y'all know, this is going to be some spoilers. So if you hadn't watched it, we go all the way up to the last episode of season two that we saw. We, this is a, this is full of spoilers. I'm going to say that now. So if you uh, haven't seen Handmaid's Tale, Handmaid's Tale, you know, don't listen to this if you don't like spoilers. I'm telling you now, it's full of spoilers. But you're still going to like it if you listen. Even, yeah, even if you listen to the spoilers, you're still going to like it. So with that, we're going to get started. Dave, you want to tell us a little bit? Just give us an overview of what it's about. Oh, the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. So uh, I I remember reading this back when I was in grad school, and I loved the book. So I was excited to see that they were coming out with a series. Um, season one pretty much covers most of the book. Yeah. Uh, and it's positing a future where uh, one of the biggest features is we're we're now in a theocracy. America has been taken over by theocrats, where where the religion uh, is is basically controlling every part of of life. And there's a group of, since there's a fertility crisis, there's a group of women, women who are fertile become handmaids. Um, and basically they uh, serve as breeding stock yeah. for, for the society. And it's a very patriarchal society. Uh, women are forbidden from working. The women are divided up into classes of wives, helpers called Marthas and handmaids. And they use the Bible a lot to justify the the way they've structured society. Don't forget the aunts. Oh yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's, aunts. Man, she's one of the classic. I'm thinking like uh, one flew over those cuckoo's nest. Had Nurse Ratchet. She's one of those kind of. Yeah. Uh, Dolores Umbridge <laughs> from Harry Potter. I mean, she's a classically evil 
yeah. woman. There's, so there's, I mean, I know you see they do a good job of making you sympathize with her a little bit. I don't sympathize with Aunt Lydia. <laughs> like yeah. I, I sympathize I do a little bit. Well, I sympathize with a few characters in it. Mm-hmm. So a couple other things, and then we'll talk about the characters and what, what are so jacked up. But like um, the other thing that happened is they they were actually able to take over the the United States by blowing up the Supreme Court. They slaughtered the members of Congress mm-hmm. and they killed the president. In the book, it doesn't talk about them blowing up the Supreme Court, but in the in the series, it does. Mm-hmm. But they put us into martial law, and then when they Everything got fleshed out. We went into this theocracy, uh, a monotheocracy at that, mm-hmm. because there are no other religions except for whatever that religion that they is. And I call it Bible because it's not misquoted Bible, mm-hmm. Old Testament Bible, but it's everything they do has a biblical twist to it, which mm-hmm. is is interesting when you think about how people even today still misquote and misinterpret scripture. Oh, yeah. So I mean, it's it's totally. And that's a good point in that how in the show they actually. Give you examples of how scripture can be turned around to, you know, basically mean whatever. I ain't gonna watch play for the show. I see that every day. I'm just yeah, saying, right. but it, right. it's just a, you know, an yeah. example for other people yeah. that don't really, you know, see it or think they don't want to see it or don't see it. This how they can take certain scriptures and put it to however they what they wouldn't want to. Be. Well, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 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 damn. Me and Derek agreed. <laughs> that doesn't happen all. <laughs> but um, but so it's really it's really really a really messed up world, and so the main characters are the Commander Waterford and his wife Serena Joy. You have Al- Alfred or of Fred. So so all of the all of the handmaids are like property. So they they have to relinquish their old name and they become property of whoever their commander is. So if the commander is named Wayne. The handmaid's name is of Wayne. Um, Alfred is Alfred and I was actually listening to the commentary on that mm-hmm. and when you look at Alfred it looks like Alfred yeah it does so like she's been Alfred up mm-hmm. uh, and then also of red you know all of the handmaids wore those red uh, dowdy gowns which yeah. is you know a lot, a lot of symbolism in that there is now one th- before we go on one thing I want to say for the people that haven't watched it and you know they Putting like he, um, Pastor Dave called him the what you call him, baby make what you call no, breed, breeding stock, breeding That's, stock. Which is now, a, it's like I mean you have to say it's rape. I mean it's ritualized. It rape, is right. So. When he said, I just want y'all to. I'm gonna give you one spoiler. When they having this little ritual, the, the ceremony, uh, the ceremony is mm-hmm. it's called. Praise the Lord. The mm-hmm. handmaid is actually laying in between the legs of the wife. Mm-hmm. While the husband is doing his thing, nobody can touch and all the raping other her. Yeah, basically raping, raping her. her. Yeah. You know, no sounds can be made, no grunts, no touching. But you know, she laying in between the wife's legs. Mm-hmm. So a couple things that that also happen, and then and they can correct me if I'm wrong. So um, a lot of people, especially today, like they always, especially all my all these churchy folks, like churchy folks, y'all get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> because y'all want everything to be like it was in the Bible until it applies to you. Yep. When you think about procreation in the Old Testament, procreation was just that. It wasn't just having sex for fun. It was having sex so that you could create babies. I think the Mormons mm-hmm. use that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, having babies, that's the, that's really the only time that you have sex. Well, okay, so I got I to gotta push back on that a little bit. because. So I, I know a lot of people want to say procreation. That's the reason that... Um, 
that's that's the main reason for sex. But if you actually, so both scientifically and if you look at the way the Hebrews understood it back in Genesis, um, when Adam and Eve are created in the garden, they're both naked and unashamed. And the implication is that they are they are having sex. I mean, the implication is they're sexual beings. They're made as sexual beings. And the crazy thing is, if you think about living back in agrarian times, the Hebrews, would they lived on, on the farm, right. right? And so they knew that the only time that animals have sex is when the, the female is in heat. Um, humans are different. Humans can have sex anytime they want. And so we're also hairless. You know, so one of the things when you're dealing with, um, or mostly hairless, some of us are more hairless <laughs> than others, right? Don't I'm hairless. So... When you when you think about the Hebrews looking at that and saying, well, why are humans different than animals? You know, why do we walk on two legs? Why are we embarrassed and have to wear clothes? Here's another crazy one. Why? Because they would butcher animals, right? So they knew anatomy very well. So how come? Uh, what's what's a, something missing in a male human being that bulls, sheep, goats, and a lot of other animals have? Human beings don't have a penis bone, a baculum. Oh, and so yeah. so some people think that when they're talking about the story of Adam and Eve and they take a bone from Adam and they form and God forms the woman that the bone is not a rib because it doesn't say rib it says a bone from his torso Don't tell rib dot the that's what I love this is my um, spiritual Rachel matter <laughs> <laughs> He give me the back story But don't tell rib dot the uh, good lighter down there cuz they going to swear but but here's like see that you go to a Baptist church. So human beings have sex <laughs> w- basically when when they want to. It doesn't right. matter when if woman doesn't have to be in heat or whatever. And I, but sexual activity is more than just procreation. And so that's present in Genesis. When you read that, it says um, he will he will rule over you in the curse. He'll rule over you, but your desire will be for him. So like women are actually women can desire husbands or women can desire sex, the way that men do. I mean that's a pretty radical thing. So there's another. There are other stories in the Bible where I think if we were really to read them, we would be shocked at how. Um, I mean, for them, sex was just a matter of life. It's a fact of life. But you, but you bring up an, ex, an interesting point, though. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you Dave is Dave is very learned. He, he has a Man lot on his bones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you would. Be. Anyway, um, but Dave, Dave is Dave is very learned when it comes to theology. But the thing that you said, though, um, was, you know, what is written. The problem that we have today and the problem that they had in The Handmaid's Tale is that you got people who want to have dominion over other people. And they pretty much twisted the the scriptures to make it seem like what they want to say. Because Mm -hmm. in that particular world, sex was not you didn't have sex for pleasure. The only reason why you had sex was to have babies. And there were so many people who were infertile, Mm -hmm. you know, in the um, in the book, it talks about unbabies, mm-hmm. you know, and these were ba- children who were deformed because of all the toxins and stuff that was in. So there was a special way that they treated them. But, you know, we've also had other, I think Jim Jones was another uh, cult leader who used sex in some very, very strange ways. But people who, they take the Bible, they convince people that their version is right, and they can usually pimp them out and make them do whatever they want to do, which is just crazy. And what, fa- okay, so this, it's a little off, but what I found crazy about this is I would figure in I would figure in a world like this, the women that could actually produce babies mm-hmm. would be the ones that would be, you know, the salt, you know, the status. ones that would have the status and the ones that couldn't would it would be the other way around. And that's the one that was the first thing in the movie. I mean, the movie, but the show that I was like, what the heck? 
Like, but okay. So, so you mentioned the fact that they lived in a in a theocracy, and I add a monotheocracy. I would I would beg to add another one. They live in a plutocratic monotheocracy, <laughs> meaning yeah, that it was about wealth. So mm-hmm. the women who could have those to have the kids. <clears throat> They were they they weren't wealthy, and there was another thing about the handmaids that wasn't brought out hasn't been brought out in the show that was brought out in the book. So in the book, they went through all the records. So if you were divorced, mm-hmm. you became a handmaid if you could have a baby, or you went to the colonies and died from radiation poisoning. Uh, if, if you, that's if you were a woman. If you were a lesbian. If you're a lesbian, you need to renounce your wicked ways. And, um, but the lesbians that were could procreate, that could um, procreate, kids, yeah, they yeah, became a handmaid. Yeah, unless they called them lesbian, mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, there was a problem. You being a lesbian, <laughs> they caught you being a lesbian, then there was a problem. But um, but the same thing with the men. So you got men like Nick who. We're not of high stature because of the whole thing dealing with wealth. The mm-hmm. book also in the in the afterwards of the book also brings up about how it was very, very um based on white supremacy as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So like in the in the in the show that we're watching now is is what thirty years ago that the book was written, mm-hmm. and now since it's on television, you know they got to sprinkle black people in there. And that's I've seen a couple of black, there was a black in the club. in the original in the black... original text. No, okay, there was, was mostly white people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to ask you, like, because I hadn't read the book, so I was going to see how close the book. It's was. really close. Very close. First, the first season, season. makes me mad. The first, no, no, the first season is like really close. Mm-hmm. It is so close that there are some quotes in the in the book that they actually use in the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very close. Yeah. Um, the 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 book ends at in the season one when she's getting ready to try to escape. Mm-hmm. Like the guys come and get her, and then they walk out the door. That's the end of the first book. Yeah. One thing I loved in the in the book, I wish they had brought out more, was the the, the Latin. The, the it's not really Latin, but it's "Don't let the bastards grind you down." Yeah. And that was a big theme in the book. And uh, I mean, if if I don't have a tattoo, but if was I did, that it would the girl be that. that was, she found the the, the other thing I thought was it's really cool, and Margaret Atwood makes this point a lot, is that none of this is science fiction. This is right. all stuff that has happened, and you know, Shut and so yeah, so I mean, so the cool, I mean, the cool scary thing, <laughs> you know, is that. You you look at our society right now and you're like, man, yeah, we're it could change real fast, and I could. It's, it's changing plausible. now. Yeah, it is. It is. It's plausible. I mean, it really is. Uh, I think that's why the the season is so powerful right I now. Well, you know, she she actually said that there was an interview of her at the end of the audio book that I read or listened to, and uh, she was saying that you know in t- 1985 when she wrote the book. Like, that was just so far, like, this was like a fantastical, mm-hmm. you know, uh, apocalyptic, you know, dystopian world, which she really was like, okay, well, you know, that's just I'm, that's just my, my machinations. But now she's like, this shit could happen right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep, if you yep. watch the news and you watch Handmaid's Tale, you'll be like, oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. yeah so. You need to go watch the Mr. Rogers after that. Oh, sure. I want to watch that movie, too. <laughs> So what 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 got you on the book? Like when you you couldn't put it down. I think what got me on the show is uh, it reminded me of slavery. You know it, it, that was the biggest thing. Like it's I like was gonna bring that up something, later. Something we already went through, and so it's just like instead of handmaids, you know I think about the the slave mothers or excuse me the enslaved women that had to have sex to procreate. Um, excuse me, not procreate, but just to produce that healthier or the stronger race or the, a stronger slave. And that's the only thing I kept getting in my head. I'm like, yo, this. 
this I've seen this before. Yeah. You know, and so that's I think that's the thing that really got me. And then also what got me too is just being a man and just watching that and just made me just appreciate women even more because it just showed me it was like a reflection for me, like, man, we treat women bad, you know, we mm-hmm. they can do so much great things, but yet we only see them for sets, uh cooking, cleaning, and that's how we see them. And some and sadly that's how we still treat women now. Yeah, a lot of people do. The other thing about that, uh, when you when you mentioned the the slavery, I was gonna bring that up later on. But when you think about the handmaids, since they were not pure, mm-hmm. they were dehumanized and considered less than, and pretty much made to be baby slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it has so many you know um, similarities to slavery, and like even like when when it came to um, to Janine. Uh, in the first book, I mean, I mean, in the first season, you know, in the book, you know, Janine had had two miscarriages or unbabies, and when she gave birth to that second baby, you know, that was her, like her ticket. You know, once she got that, you know, she had never had to worry about going back to the colonies. You know, that was like her, 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 her uh, liberation card. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, it's that baby. It you know, there was a couple of differences in the book. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it was very reminiscent of of slavery in a lot of ways. One of the things in this in the second season when uh, they bring in the the neonatologist, she's a, <sighs> she, who's a Martha, yeah. and it's like she she's now been reduced to the help, you know. And the fact that she is a black woman, I, th- I mean, they're they're consciously doing this, right? Yeah. She's the ne- the top premier neonatologist, and they need her. So they bring her in, and you you can see the pain that she has. Like this is part of her identity when she gets that stethoscope and she puts it around her neck. It's like, oh, that's like you were saying, human being, yeah. you with with hopes and dreams and and genius, who is not valued for for the richness of who she is. Yeah. And and I I just that that was a that was one to me one of the most powerful parts of the whole that whole season. And to go back to the slavery kind of symmetry a little bit. Um, when a lot of, um, especially, you know, black people that are, I guess we would say unwoke black people would always say that the black people, you know, slave, uh, Africans sold other Africans into slavery and things like um, But they did, though, but that I, doesn't I, I, make I, it right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so what I'm saying is the the um, show kind of sim- give me symmetry in that um, with his wife, which he, Serena, she, Serena and she was part of the um, mm. biggest reason why they're in the situation that she's in. She's not in a comfortable situation herself. She's getting her tail whooped and all kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But yet you are one of the ones that put you, you know, helped put you into this situation. Yeah, I, I like when she was uh, in season one, I think, or maybe season two. Like they, it's all a blur to me. But one of the seasons, she was supposed to be speaking at one of those colleges. Mm-hmm. And those kids were processing it and shooting it out. And in her mind, it, that's what happens when season two, yeah, season two, yeah. <laughs> but that's what happens when you become too caught up on the religion mm-hmm. and not the spirituality of the religion, mm-hmm. because she was so caught up on being right, being holy, being chaste, being the perfect wife, you know, to these Gileadians, and she sold her sisters into slavery. Yeah. But then she woke up one day and realized, hey, I'm in this too. But now she's so far deep into it, yeah. I like, and that's how I feel like some some of the other characters, like you know, I'm now I kind of have no choice. Yeah, I had this is I 
this is what they got. I don't know how I'm gonna get out. The other people that they tried to get out, yeah, they they did. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm always fifty fifty. Even when always. we were talking about the uh, Marthas, mm-hmm. I'm fifty fifty about the Marthas. You talking about the Marthas or the aunts? I mean, aunt. I'm mm-hmm. sorry about the aunt. Ain't they called Aunt Martha? Yeah, well, Aunt, no. no, no, Martha is the Martha helpers. is like Rita. Rita's a Martha. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, what, I'm, I'm old, but um, <laughs> the ants. I'm fifty fifty about the ants because one, she got to be good at what she do because I don't know what what's gonna happen on the outside or later on if I ain't you know putting on this good show. But you know, there's little soft parts and little soft you know. But in all, we got to play our part and do what we got to do because I might be getting what you get. Okay, so we're going to take a small break and then we're going to come back <laughs> and we're going to talk about the aunts. And I'm okay. going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. And, you know, you you are the, 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 the diametrical difference between me and you is the fact that I am almost like a literalist and you infer a lot of stuff. And I'm going to tell you why we're going to back up. We're going to talk about <laughs> the aunts when we come back from this first break uh, so I can get a reference on time. <laughs> but we'll see you back after the break. <laughs> so we are back uh, again. Um, well, thanks again for listening to Saint Card Different Day. Um, we were really enjoying doing this, and um, as you know, we were talking about the Handmaid's Tale and some of the real life implications that we see in it. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the characters, and then we'll move on to some other hot topics a little bit later. So, Derek, before we left for the break, Derek was talking about how he kind of um, had a soft spot kind of for the aunts. I ain't say I had a soft spot now. <laughs> you said you was that ain't what I said. I'm I, I see both sides of the coin. Those are some evil bitches. <laughs> but I got to be because I don't know what's gonna be done with me behind the scenes. And I will say though, you know, one part when uh, Aunt Lydia, when she said, when she's talking about being the godmother to the child, that that kind of hit me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe although she does the things she does, she still sympathizes with these women. Okay, so here's my thoughts, thoughts on the aunts, and there's nothing written in the book or the thing. So I don't know if you well if you I don't think they even mentioned them in the series, but in the book they mentioned true believers. So don't you remember like in the beginning when uh, Alfred and Uglin were walking and in Alfred's mind she was like, well, can I trust this bitch? Or you know she really quiet, she kind of pious, and she she said, and I think she may have said in the series she may be a true believer. So there are people who really have drunk the Kool Aid, who really think that that's right. That's what I think about Aunt Lydia. I think Aunt Lydia is a true believer and she believes in everything in her heart that what she's doing is right and the Lord wants her to do it. That's why I don't have any sympathy for her. Like, I really want somebody to cut her tongue out. <laughs> but in order for her to hold her position... No, no, no. She no, no, gotta no, be no, 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 no. If she's a true believer, she's going to hold her... But she's doing... I haven't seen her do anything yet that I think that she regrets. Let me say that. I haven't seen her do anything yet that she's like, well, maybe I shouldn't have did that. Everything she does, this bitch is like, well, you know you tried to run away having to hit them legs. Mm-hmm. No, wait a minute. It was one scenario. Somebody did something. And, oh, I'm sorry. It was one <laughs> scenario. Somebody, let me think about what it was. I'm going to come back to it. Dave, what do you think? What do you think? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I think the places we see the internalized depression are people like the wives and, and that's really where you see that. I, I do think, I'm, I'm going to be with Tony on this, because I think when you start dealing with female genital mutilation, cutting people's tongues out, I, I think 
Aunt Lydia is a true believer. Yeah, and, you can't um, do shit like that and like not think that it's the right thing for you to do. Yeah, I mean, I I, I see your point that like you know if if she doesn't, but I I think she's she's invested. Let she's me say this. Let me say this also, dude. To your point though, I think that she's such a true believer that being a godfather, godmother of one of those kids does warm the cold cockles of her little heart. But that does not negate the fact that she is a cold-hearted bitch. Mm-hmm. But you know, in her in her line of work. Think about the work that we do. So in our line of work, our line of work, we are to test people for HIV and get them in the care. If we can identify somebody who's positive, you know, that's a good thing for us and it's a good thing for them. And and not that we rejoice in finding people who are HIV positive, but we kind of rejoice in finding people who are HIV positive because they can live a long life now. They don't have to die. They don't have to, you know, be, you know, relegated to the back of the bus anymore. I think that when that one of those girls has a baby, she's like that. You know, they had a baby. Oh, this is gonna be my. This baby will grow up, and they will produce more kids, and we're gonna be all right. And I think that's. I think she's a true believer. Now, the other people, who now the people who I do have a little bit of leeway on are the Marthas. I think the Marthas are doing what you say. I think the Marthas like, okay, I got to treat this handmaid like shit. I got to do what this bitch saying, what he says, and I'm gonna do it. But I might. Throw her a piece of cheese. They're, like the housemaid. they're, they're the maids. Yeah, I might throw her a piece of cheese. I might throw her a piece of bread. There's a part in the book in which um, the conditions that these women lived in were like like really sub slavery. Like I, 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 other other than the beatings, and they probably got beatings too. Like it was it was just as bad as slavery. But there's a part in the book in which she's having her little tryst with Commander Waterford, and they they had taken them to. Um, the baby, the the one who had the baby, they had taken them over there, and they were had bread and butter. Alfred stole a piece of butter, and like hid it in her sandal, and took it back up to her room, just so that she could moisturize her hands and her face with this butter. She said, "You know, I smell like old cheese afterwards." <laughs> But, you know, she did it because they didn't have those types of luxuries. You know, the Marthas would, you know, slyway give them little stuff like that every now and then just to make sure that they weren't living in total chaos. But the Marthas are the ones who some of them may be true believers, but those aunts, those aunts are especially kind of stupid. I still got to push back on that, though. Even, <laughs> even with the aunts, though, they was it was encouraging people to get pregnant. And as soon as they got pregnant, they treat them with love. Or respect. Oh, you don't have to do this. We want to make sure you good. So it's like in in a sense. Imagine when all the women got pregnant at once. You know, it, it wouldn't be as harsh. You know, they would be you know gentle. They'd let, be caring. Let me let me you say this though. That goes back to their job. Their job is to usher that baby in, and they weren't doing it because oh my god, she got pregnant. Let me be nice to her. They were doing it because oh my god, let her have this baby so the commanders would be pleased with me. You know, it's one of those things about that about the motivation of the actions. The act you're looking at the action. The action looks great. You know, Alfred gets pregnant. She did a whole bunch of shit that she probably should have got caned for in any other circumstances. But because she was pregnant, she got a lot of stuff did that she didn't get any punishment for. Like when uh when she like in the book, it was actually um Moira who got her feet beat with those things. But in the book, you know, in the series, you no, know, it's actually Alfred. But, you know, if she had been pregnant and done that, that would have been in the punishment. And they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because I don't need to put any undue stress and trauma on this woman while she's pregnant. And that's what that's why I say that there's a little bit of difference in. That reminds me when they when Alfred did something and Aunt Lydia went and branded the 
the woman, I can't remember when, I can't remember oh, when that happened. Yes. Yeah. So they brought him in and they punished other people for her behavior. And that was. You remember when she when she burned the lady's arm? Um. So I'm I'm with y'all. I, mm-hmm. And again, I, no, I, 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 I see y'all and I feel you. But for me, for me, the Aunt Lydia comes to, she's like the store manager. You have a district manager, you got the store manager, and you got the employees. There are things that the district manager want the store manager to do and to implement that they're not really good and comfortable with. And but because those are my instructions, I got that's what I gotta do. And you know, I gotta deal and I gotta do it in the best way that I can. And I gotta look like I'm happy about it. Because you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Now again, I get y'all, but you know <laughs> but I got to see what, the other but, side. But th- but but in seeing the other side, especially since you haven't read the book, and that's what I was the, gonna say the too. Series, I haven't read the book. But let me just say that the series in the in the book don't differ much. That and also the series actually could now in the series, like I said, the book ends in chapter. The book ends in season one. Now later on in the, the series, they may write something that shows whether uh, whether. Um, the aunts may have some type of sympathy. I haven't seen any sympathy from them. Uh, now, the the Marthas, Rita has been sympathetic towards Alfred, and we have seen that. So, again, the 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 Marthas are the store managers that you're talking about. I don't want to do this shit, but I got to do it. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. The, 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 the aunts are like, hey, the, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. See, but I think one thing we're forgetting about is that the Marthas actually see what the handmaids are going through on a daily basis mm-hmm. when they send them in the house. So if you see her getting this treatment, of course you're going to feel a little sympathize with it. The aunts, you know, they handling their business on the outside. They don't see what goes on inside the, the house. No, Goodwill goes what goes on I mean, but they, they turn they turn the, they turn the other way. You know, and then on top of that, so let's think about when mm. the handmaids, when they refuse to stone, uh, what was their name? Janine? Oh, yeah, Janine. When they refused to stone and they dropped it and how... You know how we say we had consequences and they always about to feel like they got hung or about to get hung or hung or however you want to say it. And at that moment, you know, Aunt Lydia could have killed everybody. You know what I'm saying? Imagine if the aunts all got together and said, oh, we ain't doing this no more. They would have been in the same situations. The handmaids probably would have, the handmaids of Martha would probably upgrade to that position. They would have did the same thing. I think it's all about power. I'm going I'm to I'm push back on you one more time on that. <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> the, the, problem, the problem with your argument on that is is the fact that that decision wasn't Aunt Lydia's to make. Aunt Lydia is still a woman, and even though she has dominion over those handmaids, right. actual decisions she can't make. You are, you're up on... Um, yeah, you, exactly. The and that right. proves this point. So it proves the district manager is telling the store manager what to do. It proves that point now because she can't make that decision, so she got to say, but, hey, do this, do this, because that man over here is telling me to do this. So it all goes down to that I'm man I'm going to let y'all have that. Man let y'all, that look. Yes, sir. We can go, no, no. We, we can go on all day about this. Yeah, we can go on all day about this, but neither one of you can neither one of you can point to an instance of, of sympathy or empathy from either of those. It's aunts. about survival. But when, no when they were going to survive. your point, when they were going to stone Miss Lady and they wasn't um, throwing them stones, Auntie was looking up at that little thing like, oh, Lord, what they going to do to me? Right. That's, that's, that's what I got. That's she was looking up she like, had, what they going to do to me? And she still gave no damn about those women. This is about what's going to happen to me. But I'm just saying. But, but, you, but you're trying. <laughs> I, 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 but hold on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, I know, right? But hold on. But you're, you're confusing <laughs> self-preservation yeah. with empathy. Mm. 
You can view the self-preservation with empathy. Not one mm. thing has she done that was outward. Everything that she's done was inward. They're going to get me if they keep acting up. It wasn't, oh, I feel sorry for them. Let's not beat the shit out of them or let's not let them get raped every time somebody come on their period. This is all about what's in it for me. And that's the difference. Again, when we talk about intentions, that's the difference between empathy and Mm self-preservation. Everything Aunt Lydia has done has been self-preservation. Now, down the road, they may show us something different, but I haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Rita, we've seen Rita be empathetic. She was empathetic in the book. Okay, so that's enough of that. We, we, yeah, we, we get going. <laughs> yeah, because y'all keep pushing me out with these bad scenarios. Apples and but oranges. But the one thing I can say, oh, is Jesus, Master Dave, he can He he understand where we were coming from a little bit. He came around a little bit. But go ahead, let's talk about the wise. Let's talk about the wise. <laughs> so, so the so, so the wise are also a special a special breed. Mm. I don't like none of them, though. Well, you know, and I think just because of, you know, we live in 2018 and, you know, beauty sales, like, the way they they describe Serena in the book is not the Serena that you see on TV. Oh, yeah, I feel like all of them ugly. Yeah, in the book, Serena is not very easy on that, and she walked with a cane. Serena's ugly except Serena. That's true. Yeah, you're right. They're hard to look at. Sorry to the people that look like the other women. Sorry. But yeah, so they they don't look like that, and they all a little you know hairy. I mean, it's just it's just a bad situation. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh my! But um, but so the so the wives so so the wives. I wish we could. Y'all really need to watch the AMA still because the sex scenes or the ceremony scenes <laughs> defy explanation. Like Derek tried to describe it a little while ago, but it's not yeah. like if you could imagine you in this weird ass threesome. Whereas it's two women and a man and a threesome. Hold your arm. One of the ladies are, is sitting up on the except, bed. Except the there's third, no pleasure except right. for the guy. <laughs> Nobody, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's getting pleasure except the guy. Yeah. The second woman is laying on the bed with her legs up in there. He basically just comes in and just rams it in a couple times until he shoots. And that's it. That's that's their sex scene. The, the mental anguish that this woman... Who didn't, now, if you sign up for a threesome, that's one thing. If you didn't sign up for a threesome, that's a whole other thing. You literally got to watch your husband screw this woman. <laughs> and she, not only is he screwing her, but she can do something that you can't. She can possibly give him a baby. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. In the, in, the, in the book, they talk about how she squeezes her wrists and hurts her wrists. And she's, you know, because resent, she resents her. And the, so the, the, the thing they base this on is um, Abraham... Sarah and and uh, Hagar, Hagar. And, um, in Genesis, and so it says that you know she she were she was upon her knees basically. So she so Hagar was upon Sarah's knees, it, and it's not really it doesn't really describe the the sex act necessarily. It could be a euphemism, but the the way they have interpreted it is like everything else. They take extremely literally, yeah. and so they've concocted this ceremony uh, around this around this one event. So I want to say just like in terms of the Bible, because a lot of times people say, oh, this is what they did back in the old times. Well, the thing is, it's recorded in the Bible because it's, it was unusual to the listeners. Like, it, they weren't thinking, oh, yeah, that's how we get babies. They were thinking, what? No, that's not right. <laughs> so, like when uh, Jacob mar- marries Rachel and Leah, and they both do the same thing with their handmaids, um, you know, later on there's a, there's a command, don't marry two sisters because it's, it's a bad thing. You don't want to make them jealous, etc. So, they're looking back at Jacob's saying, So much for that one woman, one man thing y'all right, keep talking right, about. Right, yeah. So they're like, the, the people who, are, who wrote the Bible, they're looking back on those times saying, yeah, those, remember those times back then? That was, that was not good. 
You know, so it's not like they're endorsing this behavior. But, uh, of course, again, like you said, you can take the Bible and you can twist it and make it support what you want it to, what you want it to say if, you're not, if you don't read it with your brains in your head. I mean, if you check your brains at the door, <laughs> you, know, uh, you, can, you can take anything. So, so I, I, got, I also have to share one of my favorite Bible stories is, uh, and I'm not going to go into do a Bible study right now, but Genesis, Genesis chapter 38 is a story of Tamar. And yes, that's Ta- one of my favorites. Oh my you really, gosh. you really woke me up with that. Go yeah. ahead. Well, so Ta- so Tamar, um, this is Tamar's married. Two of her husbands die. Um, her father-in-law won't let her remarry. Basically, he won't let her get pregnant. She knows that getting pregnant is her only way to get social security, right? And so what she does is she disguises herself as a prostitute, seduces her father-in-law, and gets pregnant. Later on, her father-in-law finds out, hey, your, daughter, your daughter-in-law is pregnant. Now he's furious because technically she belongs to his family. And so he's going to have her brought out and burned at the stake. And she produces evidence. She has his, she has his uh, cord and his signet ring and says, it was the guy who gave me these that got me pregnant. She shows him to him, and he's like, ooh, that was me. <laughs> so it shows the, the double standards that uh, men and women uh, were subject to even back in the day. Now, this is written, what, 3,000 years ago? So 3,000 years ago, the authors of this story were saying, hey, there's a double standard between men and women that we ought to look at. I've never heard anyone preach on this story, never. But, but you want to know why preachers don't preach on this story. Well, why wouldn't they preach on a story about someone who was accusing other people of sexual misconduct and they were guilty of it? Duh. Because there's lots of preachers who are guilty of sexual misconduct. <laughs> who love <laughs> blasting oh, other people. I'm sorry. Right? Excuse me, listeners. There you go, right? <laughs> they had circle cord. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you never hear this story preached. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's why you, same, the same folks will get up and condemn uh, gay and lesbian folks and... You, you know what I'm saying? This, you uh, shut your mouth. The, shim- the symmetry in that is you got all the men in the handmaids here going to their secret little club with their prostitutes. You and, yep. you know, they got this extra women down there yep. that's just for them down there. You know, those that were the pretty women, there, not the wives. But. <laughs> 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 Ah, women are beautiful somewhere, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, that you know, kind of like that right there. You know, I'm all holy and righteous, yeah. but whoa, when I go in this under, yeah. you know, under here, you, that don't matter. Time bro. for some kink over here, but uh, uh, over yeah. here it's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, um, you got to get shot at the stake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, because one. Oh Lord, I'm sorry, but one of the most moving parts of the whole thing was when they were talking to the little soldier. That um had to uh that got to came made it to Canada, mm-hmm. and I don't know how he got to the store, but one of the things that just really got to him was he was gay, mm-hmm. and he had to, one of the first people that he had to kill was one of his like first boyfriends or whatever from college, and that was and he you know had to keep it to himself and all that kind of stuff, but that just really mm-hmm. did something to him, and that did something to me too. I feel something now. Yeah, I bet. Uh, <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you don't know the law. <laughs> but you know, but the uh, the thing the thing about that is, you know, when you look at all these like puritanical laws that they have and they live under, and they're okay with it. Uh, you know, like they made their own bread. You know, the Martha was working asses. Like they were working their asses off. There was no, you know, let me go and get something. They had to really make their own bread and stuff. Um, the the wives though, 
the you know the the wise wore that like greenish blue type outfit. The Econo wise were another group that I thought was interesting. So the Econo the Econo wise is like the girl who married Nick. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's pretty For y'all that don't know, Nick was like the um driver. driver. He was the driver for the actual um general. Yeah, but she her her parents weren't very wealthy and she considered it lucky to 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 actually be able to marry somebody because everybody wasn't able to marry like that. And when I tell y'all when y'all see this part when they get married, they're underage kids. Mm-hmm. And that made me sick. I was eating I couldn't even eat no more. You know, just just watching that. But the thing is, this happens in today's society on a regular basis, and it continues to happen. So that's gonna wake you up to a lot of things, right there. <laughs> that, that threw me off. That's people, you know. Well, and and people defended Roy Moore the same way. They said, "Oh, well, back in the Bible." So you could see, you could, you could. That's plausible. Right. I mean, to me, you think they turn a blind eye to it. Plausible. Yeah, that, and that, using that Bible. But that's, but that's, but you know, those are the things that scare me about you know where we are as a country right now. You know, with this latest and new ongoing attack on Ro- on Roe uh, versus Wade, I mean, that's going to be that's only I, I think like that's the first domino, you know, in in an epic fall. And we'll, we'll talk about the, had some dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that more during our last segment. Uh, but I do want to um, finish up this segment and and talk about. So they kept mentioning the eyes. Did, did y- y'all notice that? So anybody could be an eye. Eye is pretty much a spy. My favorite part of, and this is kind of morbid, but my favorite, <laughs> my favorite part of the series, because I don't think they didn't do this in the book, was when uh, Emily uh, uh, blew up that building, the Rachel Rachel and Leah Center. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine how much planning that had to take for her to get all the stuff she needed to do? Somebody had to be helping her. The whole time, but it kind of did something. I was kind of happy when they, when she blew it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ain't <laughs> funny did you say it. that. I was happy when the Mister Man had a heart attack. Why? Oh, he was- was- <laughs> she kicks him when he's down. She says, "Go get help." She says, "It's better if I lie here." That was I lie awesome. here. <laughs> and I was gonna say you. <laughs> That just did yeah. something to do. <laughs> and I was going to say, too, like, I was happy when she blew it up, but I wasn't happy when the commander said was he survived uh, Waterford. But he survived, I was like, damn. See, okay. I was hoping he would have died. So, yeah. so Commander Waterford and Serena, for me, are two sympathetic characters. Like, I have more, I have more sympathy for them. I have, I have more sympathy for them than I do the us. Hell no. Hell no. 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 I love this. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. So 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 you have two people who you've seen exhibit empathy and you say they're not empathetic, but you got a whole group of bitches over here to the side that you haven't seen exhibit any empathy at all. But those, wait, wait, wait. But those are the ones that you are empathetic towards. Help me out here, That's fellas. That's the group that of bitches that you talking about that, that you ain't seen at night, they ain't got no choice. They doing their job. Serena doesn't out. have a choice. Oh, she got a choice. No, she doesn't. She could have left. No, she, no, she, no, 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 she cannot. When she was in Canada, she could have went. No, wait, we not. Everybody could have left okay, in Canada, but, it, but, but, but Serena at this point has the same amount of authority as the aunts and every other woman, which is none. Everything she does is predicated on man, and to make to make sure that you see this when um when um when Janine's baby was dying, 
and they tar- and they wanted to get that lady that Dave brought up earlier, the the the, the neonatologist. Did I say that right? I think. Yeah, yeah. When they wanted to get her, it was Serena who was like, "Okay, we're gonna go get this doctor so we can make sure this baby okay." Just like the, Serena, was about the baby. Ser- Serena, about no, 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 no. Serena didn't have a dog in that fight. The that, baby. No, 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 no. It, no, it was about what's in it for you. No, Serena had nothing. Serena was not going to get anything out of keeping that baby alive. As far as she was concerned, she had no baby. That baby could have died. But she was empathetic. The aunts, on the other hand, their job is predicated on keeping them babies alive. So, again, intent and action. Intent and action. You, the, Serena had no – what was her motivation for saving that baby? I have no answer. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm asking yeah. Dane now. No, no, so, yeah, so so she was she was sympathetic because you know she's hoping she's hoping for the the uh, June appeals to her instincts as a mother. Yeah, she wants to mother the. It was yeah. total altruism. She got nothing out. That means she got nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. She got nothing out of it. So she, she got nothing out. Of it. So what would mm-hmm. be uh, the motivation for helping out? They want to see. They want a lot of babies. They want to see a lot of babies born. Do they get any benefit out of that? I, I guess because they're they're the ants. It's their job. Yeah, yeah, it's their job. Yeah, it's their job. So 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 that's what I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. the actions are look similar, but at the end of the day, who who are you doing it for? Is is the important thing? It's like I had a I had a I, I don't care. It's the truth that she's listening or not. I had a boss who used to always help people. I mean, she would help people by giving them. Money, you know, blah, 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 blah. I like people who help people. I help people a lot, too. You will never see me talking about it. Every time she helped somebody, she had to talk about, I did this for this source. I did this for that person. Mm-hmm. That This is the same mm-hmm. scenario. I'm Serena didn't get anything for helping that baby. As a matter of fact, she got her ass whooped. Because mm-hmm. when Commander Waterford found out, he whooped her like a baby. That's what I want you to see, Rashad. I know you rejoiced in that. I rejoiced in that a little bit, too. Okay. However, however, you know, she when you when you do stuff and it and it benefits you, you can't say you're doing it out of goodness of your heart or you do, you're doing it because it benefits you, and that's what the aunts are doing. See, but here's the thing. Here's where I got to push back all the way back. The wives, uh, Serena, whatever, she was still doing it for her own good. So she knew she was helping offer it. So she she because she showed sympathy for Janine's baby, she thinking, okay, offer it. She's not gonna hurt my baby now. She's going to take care of my baby now because she sees I have a heart and I'm willing to do this. Manipulation. Okay. Another thing we want to bring up. So, oh, no, I'm not reaching for nothing. Because here's the reason. If that was the case, then why she go from, why did she go from being happy or, you know, a good person with it to then being a whole nother person? It was like good and evil. One minute she. Wait, after she got her ass I'm whooped. just saying in general. Before, before I then. Got my before, ass then before then. But then another reason, too, it's like she knows she needed. Uh, offer it like when it was like for, for the orders when uh waterford got blown up i wish he would have got blown up but when he got damaged or whatever and she had to write the whole new rules or the laws or whatever the case may be she used offer it like so she was using her for her own purpose her own good her own personal agenda uh vendetta all she wanted and, was that in baby. that instance in that instance you're right but that's totally different and unrelated to the baby so let me let me take it a little bit further um when it comes to the aunts, the aunts' job is not to keep the baby, to keep children alive. The aunts' um, job is to actually get them pregnant. 
once she's got them pregnant and the women have their baby, you know, it, her job her job is not done, but her job is not to keep that baby alive. Her job is to get the um, handmaids pregnant and keep them pregnant and have them deliver a good baby. Now, um, when it comes to Mother Serena, when it comes to wife Serena, she, number one, does things that help her in the moment when she's got to be nice to Alfred or whatever to because I need the baby to be healthy. You know, I need you to be happy. These all kind of things. I'm going to do that. But then when I get mad or, you know, I just really don't care no more, then boom, I just don't care no more. And husband got to come and kind of save you a little bit. So that's why I have I I don't respect her at all because she used the whole situation to her advantage. But everybody's using situations to their advantage. But what I'm telling you is, you keep mixing metaphors. You, the the stuff that she did for Janine's baby had nothing to do with the other stuff that you're talking about. Which and also, you were categorically and, and totally incorrect about the jobs of the 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 um the um the aunts. That is part of that. Their job is to indoctrinate those women into the way that that society works. It is to help them um, become good handmaids so they can get pregnant. And their job is to keep those babies alive. That's their job description. I don't know about. That's their job. <laughs> That's their job description. I just got one. I just got one name I want to say. What about Hannah? How she made you know when they pulled up to the house and Alfred couldn't get out the car to go see her daughter, but she intentionally sat on the porch so she can look out that window. So this is your person you got empathy for. I'm though. not saying. That. No, but hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm saying. No, I'm I, wait, 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 wait. Let me say this. No, you. No, no. You talk. Yeah. I'm saying in general. I'm saying in general. What I think they do that's brilliant is is just like like in in Game of Thrones and uh uh what's what's the other uh, Orange is the New Black. You got someone who's who you think is a bad guy, and you're t- but then the 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 writers will bring you in, so you have a little bit of sympathy for them. And like so, I like oh yes, well maybe Serena's not a bad person. They're working together on this project. Maybe there's hope. And then you get to the point, you're like, no, no, she's still with. Let, let me see this, <laughs> y'all. See y'all, y'all are thinking that I'm talking in absolutes. I'm not talking. I'm talking about no specific instance. Serena is a bitch, just like the aunts. I'm not saying that she's yeah. not an evil bitch. Yeah, yeah. Like she is an evil she, brood oh, Ryan like bitch, just like everybody else. I'm not saying that she's not. What I'm saying is that in some of her actions, she actually exhibits empathy where mm-hmm. I don't see any with the aunts. All of them are evil. All of them are evil as the day is long. I'm not saying that they're not evil, but what I'm saying is when you look at the motivations for their, for their actions, there are some actions that Serena does that are not about Serena. Mm-hmm. Everything I've seen those aunts do are about them. A lot of the actions that the Marthas do are not about them, but everything those aunts do is about them. Can I say also, I think I think it's important, like one of the things I love about this is you got a bad guy you don't just see them as a comic book bad guy that you should have some sympathy for them because when, in real life, the, the the bad guys make some convincing arguments sometimes. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, maybe that, maybe, oh, that sounds reasonable. Oh, okay. that happened to them. And like, no, that's bad. You <laughs> right. know, it's like, let's, why are we putting children in cages? Well, they shouldn't. I mean, they come up with rationalizations. People come up with ideas that uh, that sound plausible or you may think, oh, well, maybe this person isn't entirely bad. And they're, they're not. They're not 100% bad. But it's like, yeah, you can have someone who's just, you know, generally a good person and they can still do terrible terrible things so i just have a question in the book and maybe this is why we're having a total disconnect in the book does it give you and some extra scenarios or extra backstories or whatever about the uh 
No, no, because in the book, it's written mostly from from June's perspective. Yeah, and I I thought it's interesting because I think I see this trend in a lot of a lot of uh, uh, television dramas like Orange Is the New Black. You'll start off and you'll say, "Oh, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys," and then it'll give you some backstory, and you're like, "Oh, that's how that person got to be that way," which I think is great. I think it, it's helpful to humanize the bad guys. It's just that you know we don't we don't need to get to a place where we say, "Oh, well." Uh, They're evil. They need to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I need but, some more backstory. But the thing I'm telling y'all is, when it comes to us, the book ended in season one. Now, the way that they're writing with Margaret Atwood's blessing, they may show something like the like like say the next episode. Let's just say they show Aunt Lydia's backstory. I would love to see that. Yeah, I would love to see her backstory. If they showed her backstory, if they show that woman's backstory, it's gonna be tragic, mm-hmm. and it may inform the things that she's doing right now and may see, okay, well, she's doing this because she needs to survive herself and this is the way that she shows empathy. All I'm seeing right now is she has not shown it yet. She may show it down the road, but she, to me, she hasn't shown it yet. That's all I'm trying to say. And all I'm trying to say is Serena is a bitch in her um I agree. She don't know the Lord. T- the Lord she knows. Okay, is we're not about to go right one. <laughs> we'll catch y'all after the break. This episode of Same Crap Different Day is sponsored by AIDS Alabama. AIDS Alabama is now doing free in-home HIV testing. That's right. That's your house. Right. If you can't come to us, we'll come to you. Uh, A lot of people don't like coming into places to get tested. We will come to your house and test you there and give you your results. In your car. Or the park. Wherever you want to meet us, we'll meet you there. At the beauty shop. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to get tested, you can give us a call at 205-918-8184. That's 205-918-8184. That's the office number. Don't call my cell phone. Okay, so we are back. <laughs> we back. Um, so that was a rather li- a lively <laughs> conversation. Mind the pressure still up. Mind the pressure still. <laughs> so that was that was fantasy. That was fiction. So let's talk about the real world. You know, it's it's cool that we can talk about stuff like that from a, a fictional character narrative. But, you know, when we move back over into the real world, like we are actually living in a country where a significant amount of the people who live here thinks it's okay to separate babies from their parents because they're not legal citizens. We've had an an immigration policy policy since, I'm about to cut that out. We've had an immigration policy since 1620. Mm -hmm. 1620. People look like they, this is not their land. They came here just like everybody else. We were dragged here. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's okay to take pilgrims and take their kids from them and lock the kids in cages like animals with the possibility of them never being reunited with their parents again. Mm-hmm. We have a problem. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing that kind of blows me away about this, so it's, we already do this in mass incarceration where you take someone who's poor, you put them in jail, and you make a bail so high that they can't pay it so that they'll plead guilty. Then they get out of jail because they pled guilty to the charge. It's, and it's, you get out of jail sooner if you plead guilty than if you, you know, wait, and wait for your court date. 
So we're doing the same thing with these immigrant folks, only we're stealing their children away. So you steal their children away and say, well, you can get your child back if you plead guilty. And then, the, and then they, are, they plead guilty, they're deported, and they still don't get their child back. And they're running separate de- deportation proceedings for the children. You got three-year-olds in a courtroom and the, by themselves. And the judge, you know, <laughs> saying, saying to these children, uh, you know, do you know what a lawyer is? I mean, that, that blows my mind. It's, it's so absurd. It, it, if, it, if it were not so evil, it would be funny because it is so crazy. So, and this is where, you know, one of the reasons why I was pushing back on y'all so far, because I was going to make an analogy, is that Kristen Nielsen, our director of Homeland Security, she is an aunt. Yeah. She is an aunt. For you to be a woman and you think it's okay for you to take these kids away from their parents, you're not doing it just because you're worried about what the president says. You're doing it because you enjoy that shit, and something's fucked up wrong with you. Are you doing it because the president told you to do it? But she, how many people? How many people have stepped down? But but hold on, like that's a but that's a job. Yeah. But no one's gonna, hold get, on, no one's wait. gonna get a shot for refusing an order. No one's right, gonna get right. nobody's gonna yeah. shoot her for, for saying no. And, and and but that's but that's what I'm saying about the Marthas. Like the Marthas don't have a choice. They mm-hmm. do not have a choice. Kirsten Nielsen has a choice, and she has chosen. That it's her job as the Homeland Security Director that it's okay to separate babies, like three, four-month-old babies who are still nursing from their mothers. You can't have any empathy, no sympathy. That bitch ain't even got a heart as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, that's and that's how I look at the Marthas. Because, I mean, but again, the Marthas don't have a choice. Kirsten Nielsen has a choice. She has a choice. Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Huckabuck. Sanders. <laughs> Did you call Huckabuck? That bitch got a choice. Who <laughs> the Huckabuck? She, she, she has a choice. Mm-hmm. She has a choice to sit there and lie to the American public every damn day. She makes or my she, butt itch. I'm she, sorry. But, I'm talking about her. And she looked like Aunt Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> and did he just fall out? <laughs> and the bitch looked like Aunt Lydia on oh, top of everything. She's a wife. No, she is not a wife. <laughs> That's Aunt Lydia. That's the Aunt Lydia body that she got. Shut up! <laughs> but I mean, but you, but you see what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason for anybody in that, and for these, the 30 percent of those Republicans, his his base, that's some evil motherfuckers. Like, they're just evil. And I mean, there's no two ways about it. Have you read any of the like message boards or anything where they are commenting on about the, like there are people commenting? That they should just keep the little babies and um, grow, let them grow up and use them for um, uh, organ donations. And it's just all kind of stuff. They are like the total right folks are just putting. And it just bothered Dave, me. Dave, your people mm. are evil. I, 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 do not, I do not dispute that. <laughs> some evil I do not dispute that. I'm sorry. They well, yeah, are I, evil. So I do think, I do think you know, you, you, white supremacy is a real thing. It's like, you, you're, I'll say I was nurtured in the womb of white supremacy. I was, you know, born in Alabama. Uh, I've, I've grown up in this culture. I know I've, all the unconscious messages I've received. I, I say it's like being an alcoholic, right? You have to at some point recognize that you are powerless over it. And that uh, you have you have to be accountable to other folks to be free of it. But I think there are a huge number of folks who they don't realize how that makes them dead inside. Like I mean, so I, and I don't mean this to kind of like sympathize with uh, with uh, um, uh, 
the the ants and everything. But but I do think that's it's like you have to kill part of yourself. You have to kill part of yourself to 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 buy into white supremacy or buy into homophobia or any of this other stuff. You have so part of you has to die. So I, I almost feel like people are in hell and they don't know it, and that's why they inflict hell on other people. Yeah. And so you got you know Gilead's hell. Who who wants to who wants to you know buy a ticket to Gilead? Well, some of these folks do. You know, right. and to me, and everyone else is looking at that. And that's hell. And for some people, like, oh no, that's heaven. That's what heaven's like. And I think in order for y'all to understand the significance of this, is Dave is a white man telling us this. If y'all and, didn't know, and if y'all didn't know, if, if for <laughs> if for me, for me, I respect them more because so many people say, oh, y'all just using a race card. Y'all using a race card. He just told you he grew up in it and he had to kill certain parts of it, you know, certain parts of himself or whatever to understand it, to be aware of it. So I respect you for being on, you know, being on the radio, on this podcast, letting us know. And then another thing I want to bring up is when you said mass incarceration. You know, that's something you know I never thought about it that way. So now that I think about it, you know, you take a, you say you take these young poverty stricken individuals, you put them in jail, you make them bail out. But what about those kids that are left behind exactly. and now they don't have that that father figure, they don't have that. That big brother, little sister, big brother, whatever the case may be, they don't have that, and they repeat the cycle. Yeah. Let me say this, Rashad, you bring up a good point. But, you know, this, so I was talking to a friend today, and they were talking about, you know, the march that they had yesterday and how there weren't a whole lot of black people there. Um, and I I only found out about it Friday night when my friend Barbara McElroy told me about it. Uh, but I'd already it had made March Hill, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I ain't know. See, they, so mm-hmm. it wasn't very well publicized. <laughs> if, you, if you're not on those activist lines, um, but then they made the point to mention that there weren't a lot of black people there, and and I was like, well, yeah, one, not a lot of us didn't know about it. The second, no, black people been doing this shit for a while. That's right, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. this thing about separating families is not anything new. Right. We endured it during slavery. We in, we we endure it now. If you live yeah. in the projects, I'm, I'm sorry, the housing communities, they do it there. Because yeah. if you're a woman and you have a baby by a man, that man can't be with your child. They have to they 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 mm-hmm. they, they they have to be separated. This is nothing new. This yeah. has been going on for a while, and they've been doing it with impunity for years. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I told them, I'm like, you know. Um, they've been separating our children for a while. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Yeah. I ain't seen y'all in none of our rallies. Well, and it really, it definitely is. I mean, what we're seeing is this is like the next level of of it's a, it's white supremacy still. It's just targeted brown people instead of black folks, and it's you know it's, it's maybe a more pernicious, recognizable form. Oh well, you are physically separating uh, parent uh, children from their parents who are seeking asylum. But yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, Ferguson, I think it's something like um, uh, they did they looked at how many men are missing. Like forty percent of the men in Ferguson, Ferguson, were, Missouri, was, yeah, yeah, were missing, like missing. either dead or in jail, and so you had a whole community that's missing forty percent of the fathers. Yeah, you've you've separated families. You separated families. And oh, what was it? One one third of black men in Alabama can't vote. You talk about depriving a huge number of people of of their voting rights. And I was talking when I I got arrested a couple of weeks ago for for uh, protest. No! I did. <laughs> And I'm, so I'm sitting there talking to the, the policeman. He's saying and he was asking why we were doing this stuff, and we talked a little bit about mass incarceration. And he said, "Well, don't you think?" Or we talked about voter suppression. He said, "Don't you think people who've committed felonies should lose their vote?" And I said, "That's the problem. You're thinking about it from an individual perspective. The thing is, if you have a third of black men in Alabama who can't vote, but we still elect the same number of representatives to the U.S. Congress, so those people have no vote, but we're counting them for the purposes of representation." 
So it's a lot like the three fifths compromise. And, and it's a two thirds compromise. Two thirds compromise. I ain't never saw that. Right but now, but not, but now, but not only, mm-hmm. not only on that though. Mm-hmm. But you also have to think about the fact that um, when you, when you, dang it, I lost my train of thought. You also, you also have to think about the fact that. Black people are more likely to get pulled over mm-hmm. for for mediocre shit that yeah. white people get pulled don't get pulled over all the time. Black people are more likely to get go to jail for shit that white people do 100%. all the time. 100%. Black people are more likely to get killed for shit that white people do all the time. Right. And then you go, well, it's about the law. No, it's not about, it's the, not law. about the law. It's not about the law. You can go to to Paul Manafort. Then he didn't. You got all this Child. crap going on. Right. All this crap yeah. going on, and you get out on bail. But you have a rapper, Meek Mill, that then popped the wheelie or whatever he did, mm-hmm. and you don't even want to give him bail, right. a bond to get out, uh, whatever. What I mean, it's well, popping about, the wheelie. It's not about the laws themselves. <laughs> it's about the unjust. I mean, I mean, and as I'm just yeah, saying that, that it's yeah. just stuff we like that. You just <laughs> well, so, so, and that's, that's like, why I storm. <laughs> and that's like, so, but that's that's the uh, that's the double standard we were talking about, and and the, the Handmaid's Tale. So the the people who are in power. Can get away with whatever they want, but it's the people who who don't who are either economically or politically disenfranchised. That's who you're going to go after, yeah. and that's who you know. You build your court system and your criminal justice system on the backs of the poor. There, you're building your whole economy on the backs of these women who are being ritually raped. Yeah, that's what it boils down mm-hmm. to. And, and you know, I, I and I have I've had some some white friends who are not as woke as you are. And on my Facebook post, and I said, "Well, white people, are, well, not all of us are. It's enough of y'all. Do I can say it's all of y'all shit? And y'all don't, don't do say that. nothing about don't it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because no, they're gonna say the black no, folks no, no, hood no, no, and no, no, still. No, no, don't no, do no, no. But I mean, but some black people are hood and still. But not all of. I, I think. But I think that when people say when they make generalized statements, I think the people who are guilty of whatever the generalized statement call, uh, is called for get a little bit out of shape. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say it's like my 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 new. Uh, uh, thing with the white gays. Not all white gays are messed up and racist, but it's a significant number of them motherfuckers around here who don't who might as well be clansmen. Yeah, well, part of, right. part of that is being secure in in who you are. Yeah. Because if someone if someone says something about uh, like preachers, like and I'm a, I'm a preacher, so it's not oh, preachers preachers all lie. You know, David, yeah. I tell you, I'm not gonna go like, shit. I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna go. Well, not all preachers. <laughs> you know, because I'm like I'm. In fact, I'm gonna say yeah, quite a few of them are. <laughs> all know? lies matter. But, <laughs> But I think that, but when someone does that, they're revealing their own insecurity. Yeah, it's I, like, yeah, I totally, you know, I totally agree. Guilty dog barks loudest, and barks first. Yeah, yeah, mm. <laughs> and barks first. But yes, go ahead, Derek. Sadly, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's three. <laughs> we might Uh-oh. be living in the end the show, and it's, <laughs> it it's it a might sign be, of the end times. Yeah, it might be Gilead. We walk <laughs> outside. Oh Lord Jesus! <laughs> if I hear some um. <laughs> so I do want to say this. Though. I really want y'all, the listeners, to take this time to listen with an open mind. Like use this opportunity to change how you see things. Because if you just listen to it, just to listen to it, this episode. You wasted our you wasted our time and wasted your time as well because you're gonna find yourself in the same cycle. These are real life situations. Yeah, we talked about the handmade sales, but this is what's been going on for years, and it's gonna it's gonna continue to go. You know, it's gonna continue to happen because we're not smart enough to pay attention to what's right in front of us. We have four educated men in the room right now. It's giving you words that you can it's explaining to you in ways that you can see it. You know, we use handmade tale to show you break down so many barriers in these. And everything we're saying today, man. So as for me, I, I became educated with this. 
So I want to say thank you, Tony. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Because as a young person, we don't talk about these things. We're more concerned about the NBA or the NFL or who got on this, who got on that. How's that? How's that? How's Atlanta? So, so really, if y'all, if y'all hear me, open y'all eyes, man, and pay attention because this is going to affect us. But you know, the other thing about that, uh, Rashad, is the fact that I was, um, we're talking about reading the blogs and the comments and stuff. You know, I've seen um, a couple of people talk about how, um, of course, they were white people. Telling them, yeah, this is going to make the world better for our children and our mm. grandchildren. Mm. No, it's not. It's not. It absolutely will not. Mm. Unless They're you... not even talking to their children and grandchildren. They know what they <laughs> want. But, you know, I just it just mm. amazes me, uh, this whole thing with populism, the whole thing with the separatist nature that a lot of white people seem to be enjoying, and they really enjoy it. And I think that's what bothers me more than anything else. I have a diverse group of friends. Uh, you know, some of my best friends are white. I love it. You know, but seriously, I have, a, I have a very diverse group of friends. And when you look at the issues that we're presented with daily, uh, whether we're taking our inferences from the handmade sale or just watching the news. There are so many things that we've been dealing with for years and years and years and years, and, and they continue to happen. Why are we still talking about racism in 2018? You know, mm-hmm. why are we still talking about women's rights? And, you know, do you do y'all realize that we still have not ratified the Equal Rights Amendment? Right. We're waiting on one more state. <clears throat> like, we, as a country, as a country, as a country who spends this time going around to other countries telling them that what they're doing is fucked up, we have we still don't have a, a Equal Rights Amendment on the books for women. Mm-hmm. You know, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. But we love going and telling everybody else that this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong. It's a little bit hypocritical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a little. What I would like, what I would like just for some of us to do and um, those of us that have kids is not totally put our thoughts and what happened to us during our, especially like in schools and things like that, on our kids. Although we need to, you know, educate them about disparities and those kinds of things. But a lot of what I've noticed, especially with my niece and nephew and some of their kids, they are totally oblivious to a lot of racial things until they are made aware of them. Mm. And um, our kids don't grow up to start having problems until we start pointing things out. And it, it, that just becomes an issue for me. I don't. What do you mean? So, as we know, a lot of kids are innocent. Yeah, and kids are totally you know, innocent. I got one in my house. You so. got one. You know they're totally innocent, and you know that situation just with let, just situation with Maurice with the touching the whole thing that was totally not his intention, not anything. But and what we do sometimes with parents and adults sometimes do with our kids is take simple childish scenarios or what is something that they do and blow it out of proportion to a situational scenario that it would be a adult scenario. Oh, I thought you were talking about like on racism and stuff like that. And even when it comes to things that we may consider racist things that our younger generation aren't considering racist. So those are conversations that we need to have. And that's what I'm just saying. As adults, we need to have conversations with our kids about, you know, what some of the and you, Rashad, can probably agree with me a little bit. There are um, terminologies that's and they're redefining everything. Yeah, there and and definitions of things that 
they have their own. Like we, some of us got had our own. Like what, what was it? Um, uh, well, I can't even um uh, remember the um the term when I was in high school. But my mom was like, "That's not what that means." But we had totally. You it's know, okay when you talking it. to your friends, but when you get in general society, you have to put that stuff aside. But again, to they them, don't know that. no, to them, their peers are their general society. They stupid too. But anyway. uh, so that's the problem right there. <laughs> don't say that. No, no, no. But I mean, but like, like the way, like the way you were going, I thought you were talking about like having conversations about race. Like you know, with Maurice going, Maurice, Maurice, uh, Maurice goes to a school where. I mean, he's really the only real little black boy there because he's the only mm-hmm. black boy that got two black parents because he's got a friend named Alex who's biracial. And I felt like a failure as a black parent one day when I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, yeah, well, the other little black guy at um, Maurice's school is cool. His name is Alex. We probably going to go out. And Maurice looked at me. He goes, Papa, Alex isn't black. He's just light-skinned. Mm. And I felt like, okay, I missed the whole thing about telling him who he is. Mm. And not that he should think about who he is as a way to 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 uh to segregate himself from other people. But I think he needs to know who he is, how to dis- differentiate himself from other people. Because there are some things that Alice is gonna be able to do, there are some things that Dave's son's gonna be able to do that Maurice is not gonna be able to get away with. Right. And that's where part of my converse, where my thought process is, a lot of our kids don't think that way. And if we, if we instill in them continually that that's what's going to happen, it's not going to change. Because I don't, I don't want them to, I just want them to know that it can happen. Yeah, and yeah. I think that we, we have to prepare our kids for the inevitability of the racist ass society that we live in. Well, I, you know, I've, we've talked in my household. So, you know, I'm, I'm white family, white son, but talking about like, uh, you know, I just got, just got to make, make it clear. So, but, but talking about how, you know, that, that, yeah, you, you, you're going to have kids, you're going to have friends along a spectrum, but that there's such a thing as anti blackness. Yeah. And that that affects, that affects black folk differently than that affects you. I mean, your understand, our understanding of racism is often black and white, but that there's, there's a whole, a whole other realm that you you barely know about, and so sometimes like well, because I, he he still is a, a teenager has a very um, uh, right and wrong black and white way of thinking like yeah. one one, th- one thing's one or the other, but but trying to help help kids understand there's some history to this, and it's a lot more um, nuanced or complicated than than you think it is. Um, I think that can be helpful. Um, yeah. And I think it's and I think it's important to expose them to that and not hide them from it. Like I said, the one of the things that endeared me to the school, to Red Mountain Community School, uh, where where uh, Leo used to go to mm-hmm. now, and where Maurice goes, is the fact that in that old building, when you come up the steps, there was a um, a patchwork mural of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, mm-hmm. and for all practical points and purposes, there was no real reason to have that there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really wasn't. I mean, when you think about the the African American population of the school, there was really no reason. But black schools ain't got nothing. <laughs> well, they really didn't need to have. They there was a there wasn't a real urgent. There was an urgent need, but there wasn't a reason. Being in in uh, we live in in Alabama, where you would think a bunch of white people would have that up. You know, it's things that they don't want to talk about because it's a, it's a dark part in there and our our collective histories. But they had it there to remind those little white kids and the few black kids that go there mm-hmm. that we all in this shit together That's and right. we don't need to have this happen again. Yeah. You know, I don't think 
that I think a lot of times, and I get nervous when people talk about not talking about racism and not talking about, you know, the past and things. That, they have to know. They have to know. Because at the end of the day, whether it's race, whether it's body size, whether it's hair color, we are always trying to find a way to separate ourselves. It's like we had that conversation about the school uniforms and why I hate school uniforms. That, you know, whether you're saying that you put kids in uniforms because the poor kids can all look like the the rich kids. No, the poor kids' uniforms going to be dirty. So, so you got the dirty uniforms versus the clean uniforms. There's always going to be something. You just have to teach people that it's okay to be different and it's okay to be kind. Because at the end of the day, without kindness, we have nothing. Anyway. That's a good sermon. Yeah. I know, right? I, I'm, I'm Stop gonna, it, Dave. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can use it. You can use it. You can use it. You can use it. And, and I will say, even with me, I never realized my skin color until I started getting pulled over, until I started realizing different things. Like, I don't identify as, oh, I'm black. I identify as me being a human being that's capable of doing whatever I need to do. Mm-hmm. But I think when when things started happening, I started telling my, my younger siblings, hey, because of your skin color, this may happen. This is how you react to that. Well, this is how you prepare yourself for it. Because I can only imagine if I would have been a little hothead to one of the police officers that pulled me over for a, a tail light. They said it was out, but when I got out of my car, my light was on. You know, what would have happened to me? You been there. No. Mm-hmm. What would have happened to me if I would have, when I got pulled over for a little, simple little stop, or oh, excuse me, simply because I didn't use my signal to turn in the stop sign when I know majority of y'all do it all the time right. and not use y'all signal. What would have happened to me if I would have fought back, if I would have, if I would have said, no, you can't search my car? So it's just like those things where I try to tell my brothers, my little sisters, either any younger person of me, not even just black people, just people in general. There's going to be some things that's going to happen to you because of what you look like. You know, women, you're going to get treated differently because you're a woman. You know, if we got the same job and I'm a man and you're a woman, you can have have a better degree because I'm a man. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And that's the world we live in. Look, before we go. Uh, I want Dave to tell us a little bit about himself. We're supposed to do that at the beginning. I may oh, yeah. put this in the beginning at, in the beginning of the second. But tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure, my, I'm Dave Barnhart. I'm a, a pastor, St. Junia United Methodist Church, a church that I started, which is actually a network of house churches. Um, and uh, it's kind of like the, the whole idea. Early church, they didn't meet in buildings. They they met in homes, and okay, so right. that's what that's what we do. First three hundred years that the church existed didn't have buildings, so. Um, the idea is that, that they grow kind of like community organizing. They grow virally or like mustard seeds that they talk about in the Bible. Hey. Um, so that's what I do. I've got a doctorate in, um, in religion from Vanderbilt University. I studied homiletics and social ethics. Um, I've been in ministry for about 15 years, married, have a 15-year-old son, uh, live in Birmingham, love yeah, he's it. He's white. I, yeah, I'm, I'm white. <laughs> On his Facebook that. page, he said he's a recovering racist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna uh, say that when you talk about the uh, the uh, the alcoholism. Yeah, uh, well, you know that's that's on my mind. I, you know, it, it is. I mean, I I do think it's one of those things that's you know, there's there's twelve steps. The first one is admitting that you have a problem and you're powerless to fix it yourself. And I think uh, I think a lot of a lot of white liberals think that they can fix it themselves just by willing themselves not to be racist. And they've got to admit that this is like alcoholism. You think you're free from it, it'll bite you. So you have to, you have to, it's a recovery one day at a time thing. And yeah. so I do think that's a, it's a 12-step kind of program that we got to be in. By the way, like uh, down at 7, 8, 9, something about that is uh, something about reparations. And, you know, that's something a lot of people aren't ready for. Give us our reparations. Yet. So there you go. Anyway, <laughs> but that's what I do. And I, I you know, I like talking about parts of the Bible no one else talks about. Yeah, we might have so, you back on here. He's really like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. he need to write a book. Well, I think I will. 
You should. <laughs> I'll help you sell it. Because you. I, 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 you know, I love Dave. I appreciate that. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah, he's, he's oh, a good right. guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that wraps up this episode of Same Crap, Different Day. Um, be sure to uh, like us, uh, re- uh, review us, uh, let us, let your friends know about us. Uh, we're on all the major platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, you name it, we're there. All you got to do is search Same Crap, Different Day. Uh, fellas, any closing words? I already know what yours is. Any closing words before what? we go? No, because Ireland still ain't send me no message. <laughs> Whoever is listening to Ireland, please send Eric a message. Because I want to say hey. <laughs> gonna say shout out to california y'all been listening to us every week every time we do this so shout out to you and hope y'all have a great week i and i forget what i have forgot i told you you can't be good be good, be good, good at, at it, it. <laughs> all, right. all right we're out <laughs> all right thanks jake <laughs>